Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. In this episode, we chat with Marty McLeod again. This is a continuation, an update for his success story. When we chatted with him last time, he was making about $500 a month, but currently he's making about a thousand bucks a month. Again, Marty drops some nuggets of wisdom, shares some inspiring advice, and at the end, after the interview, I'll answer a few questions, maybe tell a little story. We'll see how it goes. By the way, the questions I'll answer are these, or at least these are the subjects. So someone bought some links, which they now realize is a mistake and they have way too many links and they want to know what they should do. The next question is around adding KGR terms to an existing site. And the third one is about finding keywords that have a zero all in title. This is for the keyword golden ratio. So they have a keyword golden ratio, a KGR of like zero, but the search volume is a certain certain level and the person wanted to ask about that. So we'll get into those um, after the interview. So let's let's hear what Marty has to say. I want to welcome back Marty. Marty, you were on the show um, a few months ago, actually. Right. I talked to you back in like July of 2018 yep. and we right. want to get an update. So thanks for taking time out of your day. My pleasure. Now for the People that don't know you, can you just introduce yourself as far as like your background, where you're from? Right. So I do have a full-time job. By day, I'm an engineer, the, the usual nine to five. Uh, I, I work, I live here in Georgia, not too far from Atlanta. So this is my part-time thing, my, my websites. I have two sites. And I was a member of your course. I started my main site last last year, actually. And by the time that I spoke with you in, the, in that episode of your, on your YouTube channel, I had uh, hit uh, my first real goal at that time. So nice. it's, it's been a long journey, and this is where I am today. So awesome. still living along. <laughs> so in back in July, you were making, I think you just hit the milestone of $500 yep. exactly. a month. And yes. where are you at right now? In this is about uh, six, seven months later. It's uh, right. early 2019 when we're recording this. So I've had some dips and peaks, but I'm at about roughly 1000 a month now. You know, traffic fluctuates sometimes, you know, as, as some people know, are aware of. But, and so the goal right now is just to hit the next goal, which is 1500 per month. Nice. Really working, still working hard on it. And congratulations, by the way. <laughs> like once you hit the, like the early milestone, you th- yeah. you're probably thinking, oh, I can't believe I did it. And now it's <laughs> nice. like, it's, Absolutely. it's like, it's still coming <laughs> in and, and like the course was an expensive investment and you obviously right. put in a crazy amount of time, but like now you probably find that it's fairly, I mean, you want to grow, but it's fairly passive right. at that thousand yes. dollar mark, right? Right. There, there's always little things, bits and pieces here that need to be fixed. And most of it is pretty, yeah, it's very passive. A lot of the stuff is just me improving and then going up and cleaning up the site. You know, say I had an issue with the images as a perfect example. I did things the wrong way in the beginning and said, I can do that much better. There's no reason for it to look like that. And that takes a lot of work too, but it's well worth it, of course. Uh, little things like that, you know, keep learning, reading, watching videos, listening to podcasts. I know you've got a new podcast coming out. I'm sure I'll learn more from things like that, you know. Cool. Now, let's uh, sort of step back and talk <laughs> about how you chose the category, the niche, and the products that you were going to cover. For my main site, when I first started the program, we, of course, members of your course are able to talk with you about it. And we go through the evaluation process for a niche. Mine is actually pretty competitive. So it's not really one of, it's one of the more difficult ones, which I didn't understand that, had that perspective at the time, but because there's a lot of, there are a lot of buyers out there, it's related to, we'll just say it's a consumer products that a lot of people have heard of. And it's basically building a site, doing a really good keyword research in order to rank in the top 10. And that's what made it possible it always comes back to the same basic principles, you know, almost always. Okay, cool. And, you know, from your perspective, you mentioned it's pretty competitive, but you didn't really know until you got started. Yeah. Like, what <clears throat> insights do you have for people? Because this is where people get hung up, right? They know that it's super important to make a selection that is not going to be too competitive, but you also want an, enough competition to right. know that it's a validated area to even mm-hmm. th- that you can make money basically so w- w- what tips do you have 
Yeah, well, one big thing I think that really stands out that's helped me so much is, uh, and I know you've, I think it was the Moz bar you had people using, recommended. There's also, you can use a, another extension for uh, Chrome called SEO Quake. And what I'll do is I'll, uh, in my case for keywords, but it could be just checking a niche, same same principle. I use, with that uh, extension installed, I can see the stats for all the competition that comes up in the search engine results page or SERPs. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a lot of insight into the big picture, you need to look at the big picture. It, are there some weaker competitors? Do I have a, stand a chance at ranking in this niche? Or is it all really tough and probably not a good idea? It gives you a lot of insight as well as really finding out uh, across the board, generally speaking, are there a lot of buyers for this product? A lot of different variations of this kind of this niche, these products. Is there this? Is there that? This for moms, this for babies, for example, for this and that. Now that is, if there are a lot of those, that's even more potential keyword ideas as you go further on down the road, as opposed to something that's very limited in terms of keywords that you might be able to find because it makes a huge difference. Right. I mean, the competition analysis is really difficult because once you start looking at an overall topic, there are hundreds, thousands of different keywords or products. So it's really hard. I get emails often, hey, is X niche a good one to go after? The answer is, well, I don't know. But first, yeah. it's like, I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And then really, it's like, yes, most of the time, there's enough wiggle room where you can like find a spot to provide valuable information to people that are interested in that like sliver that you're targeting. Yeah, so it's really hard to answer that question. And a lot of times... It's like, yeah, it looks a little competitive, but you know, why don't you give? I, I think I remember some of those coaching calls where you and I were talking, and it was like, it's gonna, it could be a little tough. Hopefully, I gave you yeah. good advice. <laughs> like, it could be a little tough, but it's hard to tell until you start publishing stuff. Yeah, and then yeah, man, chances are right, and you probably found this, Marty, where it was like, it maybe it took a little bit longer than than you thought it would, but if you right. can get past that period, yes. the competition drops out, right? Right. So. Yeah, 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 definitely. That, that's a very good point. Uh, I have to think, when, when you begin this, you don't always understand you need to think long-term because some things take quite a, can take a long time to, to rise up in rankings and for the site to start building up momentum. If you're thinking too short-term, as in I want to see results much, much faster, you're far more likely to get discouraged and some people potentially even give up because of that, which you've got to understand that. Think you're, you're looking long-term gains, not short-term. Right. But it pays off. It'll pay off. Right. If you can yeah, change your mindset like that. Yeah. Exactly. And I was going to say, I was just, I got so excited. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was chatting with my wife over the weekend and you know, we're often in a mindset of like, how can I make this, whatever this is, make this happen as quickly as possible. And the decisions that you make, if you're looking, say, six months or even 18 months out, the decisions you might make are totally different than if you're thinking, hey, what about two or or three or five years from now? Like, then the decisions you make are dramatically different. And you Mm -hmm. may... You can make some pretty bad, dumb decisions if you're looking (laughs) too short term. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what we want to do. We want things faster. And if you are a little more patient, then, you know, things could work out fine. So speaking of patience, how old is your site right now? So my main site is, uh, let's see. So gosh, this less than two years. Less than two years. I guess it's what, one and three quarter years or something like that. I'm I'm trying to remember. It's like it's like a newborn child or something. It's like uh, you know forty seven months. So okay, so it's about it's about two years old now. When you hit the six month mark, Google Sandbox is something people talk about. So at six months, did you see more growth? What about it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for that side, it took a little bit over three months once it got out for it to come out of Sandbox. Uh, my second one was actually faster by a little bit, but yeah. So it took about roughly. Three months for for the sandbox period, and then progressively over the the following number of weeks, the original ten post sprint that you had us do in your in your in your in your, your course begin to steadily see it kind of slowly rise up, as opposed to now where my site has a little bit more authority, and in some cases it seems to get treated favorably, even potentially some things pop up overnight. Of course, that's you know somewhat unusual, but it just goes to show you that. Uh, 
yeah, there's a there's a slow progression, and once you get to uh, to better days, things normally take a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, but in some cases, much much faster. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, about yeah. how much content do you have on that first site? Yeah, so I'm trying to remember exactly. It's roughly sixty now. 55 to 60, I'm trying to remember, because some keywords I track separately. But uh, yeah, somewhere like that. Let's just say 58, 58-ish. Okay. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Cool. And are you like actively publishing more content or yeah. are you... Okay, so what's, yes. how are you dealing with that? Are you uh, hiring writers? What's the situation? So yeah, that leads, even I'll have a question about that as soon as I finish my, my uh, description. So uh, I do it myself because it, until, up until this point, I, once I got a better understanding of uh, what content should be based on the things I've learned from a variety of uh, good reference references and, uh, and good examples out there on the internet as well. I mean, doing my own, which takes a lot of work, you know, it takes time. So it's a little bit slow for me to get it out. Say the most, usually two posts a week on the weeks that I'm doing the content. I'm hoping to get writers to speed up the process. And, you know, that's, that leads me to my question. I was mentioning that, you know, I've not had good results at all. I get back a lot of on a good day. It's mediocre content from writers. So I don't know what you would advise a person to do, you know, Doug, you know, in that case, do I just keep looking or is there a better route? I don't know. So where have you tried to find a writer so far? I've started at usual places. I'm currently, I tried another guy again at Upwork. It might work out, but right off the bat, it doesn't seem super fantastic. Uh, I just tried uh, Textran. It was, eh, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> I was going to give text broker a shot with a sample. Uh, so, so some of the main places, including Upwork. And what was the main issue that you see, or actually what are all the issues that you see when you get the content? Yeah. Back? Biggest thing is uh, there's way too much fluff in it. It's not real material. Whereas I, when I personally write content, I try super hard to, to answer their search query, their, their question. I, I, I make sure to be very specific to the best of my ability, I'll I, I find the information and I put it into words they can understand. And then I'll go into great detail explaining things. And what I get back a lot of times is just, it's very generic. It's not, they're obviously not putting in the time to look up the real answers and put it into content and deliver value. They're right. not doing it. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about because you probably have some guidelines around word count and then people are just filling it with um, mm-hmm. like the transitional phrases throughout so you end up with really like flowery language i don't know if flowery is the right word a lot of filler maybe yeah you could say yeah so total like mostly not mostly but there's like say 25 percent filler content to hit the word count Uh, and then if you strip that out you end up with like a tight concise piece of content that someone will read and you know i've definitely found actually one of the top things when i audit a site and someone has not written the content themselves i like look i read them the content and it's clear i'm like there's no point there's like four sentences with no real point like you could take all of that out like would you keep reading if you landed on that site and they're like no Uh, i see what you mean it's really easy to snag the content and then put it on there. So, okay, let's review what you said. So you've tried um, Upwork, which is my like place of choice. You've right. experimented with a couple content services. Yeah. Yes, uh, I stay away from Fiverr because it's been a, for the most part, it's been a huge, it's garbage. Uh, yep. iWriter was a, was terrible. Yep. <laughs> uh, te- text broker is um, generally the same as iWriter. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I think there may be, I haven't used them in a few years, but generally okay. it's like the same situation i believe you probably can get really good stuff on text broker but you'll be paying like the five star like top rating and it's extremely expensive at that point so because the marketplace is so good on upwork as far as the scope of people that you could find i would probably keep trying to hire there i would potentially experiment with different price points to see if you could attract different kinds of Mm -hmm. writers and I like really would emphasize and I when I've worked with writers, I would just tell them, I I want you to aim for these word counts. But if it's shorter, that's okay. Okay. And I tell them I don't want fluff. I don't want like these transitional phrases that are just not meaningful. Like get it out. I'd rather have a shorter piece of content that was punchier and got to the point. Usually writers, a good writer will appreciate it. They will do that. And you can give them feedback. And if they don't get it, because usually eventually you will find a couple people 
that'll be able to deliver and not have all the flowery language there. Okay. That's great. I appreciate that. I'll, uh, I'll put that to, to good use and okay. advice. And how much were you um, paying? Okay. The last lady was 25 an hour. Didn't go very far because she was not, I was willing to pay more. Uh, I know that it varies on there. I'm not work, but I'm certainly willing to pay. I, I'm not trying to cheap out. So I started it. 10, 15, then it went 20, 25. Some people want to do per uh, assignment. Okay. Uh, which, you know, I when got the last guy I was currently trying was 85. He said he wanted for one. You know, I said, you know, if, if it's good enough, I, I'm willing to pay that. You okay. Know, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah, you know, if you can get it and you don't have to edit it, that'd be worth it, I think. Yeah. Especially when you look at, you know, the, the site's bringing in money, you're mm-hmm. seeing things rank, like you're not at a point where you're testing, like, hey, does this work? You know that it's probably going to rank, even if all of them don't bring in revenue, you know that, you know, some percentage of them are going to work out. So, right. yeah, I'd keep testing and basically probably like most organizations, HR is like really difficult to deal with. People are the worst. (laughs) So it's like, if you're trying to hire people, then you're going to have like issues. So even if you find a great writer, like, you know, they may bounce at some point. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I kind of expect some of that. And do you have any tips for like hiring writers? I know you haven't successfully like found the right one, but what, right. what, what's your experience with it? Well, you know, of course we, we had the things that we learned from you from the course. Uh, I took that and just kind of modified it a little bit. So primarily I would say it would be trying to get your writer to use conversational tone because Americans, I, one thing I noticed is a lot of content that's put out is not really natural for Americans and people in the West. We don't talk or write like that normally. Contractions are good. Using uh, smaller words, more, uh, more understandable because uh, for one thing, uh, my main site, especially my main site, my audience, the reader audience, the demographics are so wide. It's everything from young people to it could be a grandmother. And you can't throw down a bunch of super big words and, and uh, technical jargon. You need to make it re- go high on readability. Tell your writer that you want to use small words where possible. If they have uh, technical words or uh, anagram, spell it out clarify what it is yep. i try to use, get them to use h2s or at least section off subsections subtitles use a lot of those because in the content i make it i divide it up clearly small paragraphs two two to three sentences at the max sometimes one sentence but especially because on mobile it's very different when on a little bitty screen those turn into long paragraphs if if not yeah <laughs> definitely i know exactly what you're talking about with the <clears throat> With the writers, basically, we're taught to write in the third person, right? Yeah. Is that right? The third person. Right. And it's boring, right? It's really yes, boring. Very and much. you need to write in the first person. It needs to be conversational. I have had some writers that like go all the way to the other end where they're like, it's almost like, uh, they're writing an email to like their friend or something. And I, I don't know, at some point they lose <laughs> me when they're, you know, when it, it almost reads okay. like, like an Instagram update or something. Okay. Or, so anyway, yeah, more casual is good. And it's hard. I mean, once you give people the approval and they get the tone and all that stuff, then usually they get it. Cause I mean, that's how like people do speak. All right, cool. Now you, you said you did a lot of writing. We were chatting earlier. Um, you mentioned you were getting into copywriting a little bit. So t- tell me about that. Yep. There's a lot of material out there. And there's, if you go look at an internet, basically it usually boils down to people recommending these top courses. The thing is the best copywriting courses are at least several hundred dollars, if not almost a thousand or, or even more. Or they're almost impossible to find. That's what's crazy. But I had the idea uh, over the Christmas break, I went on Udemy.com, which is uh, great for uh, a very popular site for uh, courses and various training of all different kinds. And I only paid $12 and I got one of the top rated uh, copywriting courses because I wanted to improve what I thought was already a good idea. And that's the conversational writing. But I wanted to improve influencing sales and clicks because that's basically what we're doing is we have a site. Is helping people to buy. It was some of the best money I ever spent. It was a relatively short course, but it confirmed a lot of my things about what we were just talking about, about the style of writing, as well as ways that I could improve, turning features into benefits, asking, so what? If I'm going to write something, so what? Why, why does it matter to this person? Write it in the way that they want to know about, make them feel good or want this and things like that. Uh, there's some basic principles in there and that, that helped a lot. Yeah. 
Okay. And if yeah. you had, I hate these kind of questions, but I'm going to ask you anyway, <laughs> if you had like one tip for someone on their affiliate site to improve the copywriting a little bit yeah. based on your knowledge, the course, like what, what would you give them? Yes. Uh, so I would, if I would, what I, and it's, it's a great question because I've actually said this to people. So I would write in a way, just like we just described conversational tone that paints the product tells them what they need to know about the product, but in a good way that helps to make them say, yeah, you know what? I think this would be good for me to buy. And then don't be afraid to be clear with your call to action. Make sure that that is there and you lead up to it. And by the time they click, there's, they stand a very good chance of already having decided, you know what? I might, I might pick up one of these. Don't be afraid to to make your, tell them what you want them to do. You know, click here and to read more or to check it out, blah, blah, blah. Yes. It's like um, you should never rely on the person to understand what you are leading them to. You have to tell them directly, Yes, you know, click here, do this, and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I've I've actually seen a couple of people's sites because I've talked to so many people. And in a couple of cases, the call to actions were – they weren't very good at all. And I understand why they weren't doing well is because it wasn't clear, you know, where to click on this or there's no button. You know, it wasn't leading up to that. You know, and, and it was a clearly a nice flow that leads up to them taking that action. You know? Yeah, exactly. And um, another situation that I see all the time is like um, people use images and those will be affiliate links and maybe they don't have mm, any yeah. other proper call to action. But let's say you're just scrolling down the page or even if you're if you're on a mobile device and you're scrolling, yeah. you have no idea that the image like, why am I going to click on the image? Like no one's going to click yeah. on your image unless you put call to action in the caption. It's like, click yes. on the image, please click on the image, to yes. whatever. So that's, that's very true because based on what the heat map data that I saw that it wouldn't happen otherwise, unless you specifically, they knew to click on it. They weren't, they weren't clicking on images. Right. So, and for the people that don't know what a heat map is, can you d- describe that? Oh yeah. So and I, I need to make, make sure I get the technical terms clear. So a heat map is a, basically it can be a plugin, it can be a service, whatever it records and identifies where people are clicking on your on the post in terms of the most activity and the least activity which is it's also sometimes they use the same word for a scroll map where you can see where people went to in a post and spent the most time reading that's awful also very helpful sometimes you learn a lot from both of those okay and so with that information and then your copywriting like what things have you learned about images or calls to action or the heat map in general yeah, so I found that table a table of contents does very well. Based on the data that I have so far, I'm putting my products at the bottom of my post and my general content at the top seems to be actually doing better. It, some things are counterintuitive sometimes. Based on, on what I saw, you, I need to have clear subtitles and subsections where people can know where they can click to get to it. Some people want to read through the whole thing. Some people want to jump right to the five best, blah, blah, blah. It, it needs to be clear and it needs to be spelled out where they can they can go and how they can do it. You know, don't use any funky colors, like so things that are unusual that people don't expect to be there. Uh, most people are used to things being like a blue links, for example, as opposed to bright pink or something crazy. You know, people are inherently accustomed to things working a certain way. If you keep it as simple as possible, help make it easy for them to find what they want and then go through your content and then possibly buy and click, click and buy. Got it. And just want to double check because there's a lot of different sort of conversions or positive signs that you may see. Um, So by putting the top five posts or or the top five products or whatever the choices are at the bottom, you're saying there's an improvement. What is the improvement? Is it sales? Is it time on site or what? It was actually to the, uh, my time on site has seemed to be pretty good either way, but for some reason sales was better. Clicks and sales are better, specifically with the with the best products. My my product section on the bottom. I'm not 100 percent sure why that is. I, I think it's potentially trust because they they see the pre existing content before they get there, which kind of uh, validates this is a legitimate post. This guy's got a lot of information here. Uh, I can go ahead and just go ahead down here and find one. That's okay. my thought process, but I'm not sure about that. That's a little bit harder to, find, to figure out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really wouldn't know. And I guess the one thing I could add is, for example, like a sales page, of which I've done many, typically you have, from the 
you know, all the copywriting stuff that we've studied, you have like the story, right? You have the story, yeah. the background, all the, the yes. benefits and those sort of things. And then at the very end, then you go f- for the sale, right? You don't jump right in and say, click here, do like, do, do this. Although, you know, sometimes people may put a link up at the top and it's like, yeah. you know, if you want to get right over to Amazon, for example, but like on the sales page, typically, you know, you need to rope them in and focus them and get them to pay attention to the things that'll help them make the decision, which that totally makes sense to you from what you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I may say differently in the future when I get more data, because it's all about making sure finding data, you know, there's a couple of different ways to do that, but based on what I've seen so far, that's correct. I'm going to completely change subjects. So let's do a brisk transition over to what, why are you doing this? What, what made you get started (laughs) Uh, in affiliate marketing? Long story short, uh, I forget how I did it, but I I was cruising the internet years ago and I saw guys who were living in another country and making money online and it blew my mind. And I I don't have those software skills these guys had. So I couldn't do that just as a regular contract worker living remotely. So I thought, well, how could I make money online? What's actually real? Long story short, that's how I found about you. My ultimate goal is I want the freedom to travel, live where I want to, and be my own boss. And also have control of uh, what I produce and what I do. I enjoy the, the creative aspect and content and things like that. Helping people is nice too, you know? Very cool. I think I remember from our first interview, there were a couple other people that, that you followed too. Do you want to mention any? I mean, I'm happy to. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, yeah, because what I found over time is there's, there's just like a handful of people who are really good, like you and a few other guys who are really legit and have solid advice. So, uh, of course, Doug Cunnington, <laughs> of course, uh, Don Wells and Human Proof Designs, uh, the Authority Authority Hacker guys, they all also have podcasts as well as articles. Let's see who else. Um, goodness. Actually, AA Trust has their own YouTube channel. It's short but sweet, and they provide a lot of, even if you don't use their tool, there's a lot of information there that applies to affiliate marketing as well. It's just common, it's practical, actionable mm-hmm. stuff. I definitely highly recommend that. But those are the two or three biggest names that come to mind right now. Yeah. Cool. And uh-huh. I'll, I'll uh, mention, yeah, all those guys are great. I followed a lot of them at some point in time, still do for some others. And then Ahrefs, like some of the best like blog content because they have so much data and they have access to so much yeah. information. So yeah, their YouTube channel is very good. Their blog is fantastic. If you want like long form case studies where they like use data most of the time, you know, it's really hard for people to get that information and they just have access to it. So what were you going to say? Oh, sorry. I forgot one guy. He, he was the one who kind of sent me down the road of comp- copywriting and how I actually did my text links. Very different than when I started uh, Kyle Trouble, who his site is, he's a big affiliate guy, but he's also in travel and things like that. Not really Amazon, but he is one of the people who said, you know, try to reach out to the reader with emotion and appeal to them that way. Don't just have a cold block of text. Mm-hmm. And also try to make your links flow naturally. It helps to, I found that extremely helpful and it it kind of it motivated me to learn more about copywriting and the sales pitch and things like that, like you guys are so good at. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Like if people are trying to like do the, I guess like next level stuff, I think the copywriting is like super valuable and I wish just working a corporate job, I I was starting to throw in some copywriting ideas in my like business emails, which was so much different than, you know, you probably get a ton of emails work and stuff, but like the terrible writing where it's just blocks of text. And sometimes people are, you know, they, they don't get to the point, you know, there's no executive summary and it's like a page long and it could have been a paragraph. So just using copywriting, like in general to communicate is like super helpful. Even if you don't think you need it, you'll probably appreciate it. I greatly underestimated the why it's so important. I was so naive about that, but it's true. It's, it's very important. One of the biggest things I learned along the way was people often make a buying decision based on emotion. Mm -hmm. And that's very powerful. If you write with that kind of stuff in mind and appealing to the reader, as opposed to being a cold, a third party style as you write, because that's what I did when I started. And I went back and redid all of that content. And that's much better now. It's laid back and friendly. I'm trying to help you kind of style and 
here's why it's great and uh, it'll solve your problem and yada, yada. You nice. know. Do you have a handle on how much the conversion rate improved from like the old old stuff to you know how it stands now? Back then, I don't think I had tracked it very well, but it was a few percent back in the original days. But my my my, my site was really young. Now I averaged somewhere between twelve to fourteen percent. So as it, reported from the Amazon dashboard. Yes. Right. Yep. So probably it sounds like you went like a hundred percent, assuming it was like five or 6% uh, before. So you basically doubled your conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah. I I can pretty confidently say that it's been pretty steady at this level. Yep. Nice. And Mm -hmm. I think um, that double, that low double digit range, um, you know, 10, 12, 14% is, is really high. Like not that many people have that. And I think that's probably twofold. One's keyword golden ratio, which I know mm-hmm. you utilize. Yep. And then the other is like the solid copywriting and just attention to like trying to improve that stuff. Yep. I make sure to have a, my, my, the user experience of my sites are very good. Uh, it's clear. I, it looks like a good brand that you would trust if you landed on my page and you had no idea. It never been there before. It looks like a real brand. Easy to read. I don't give off any weird vibe when you land on my website like a lot of affiliate sites do. There to push you to buy something, click a button. I try not to take that approach at all. I try to learn, apply what I've learned from, from the big guys. Right. <laughs> You know, and it seems to be working very well. And I'm also actually a lot happier with what I work on because of that too. I feel a lot better about it. Very good. So um, going back to uh, like your why and why why you started the site, mm-hmm. so you wanted to be able to travel, work on something yes. more interesting. So just curious, like where do you want to travel? Just I mean, you could daydream yeah. here. Uh, tell me a story if you want. <laughs> sure. So I do speak a fair amount of Spanish, and I've been to some Latin countries, but I've never been to Asia. And I've never been to Europe. And I know that uh, there's some guys who live abroad who are making money online. The online entrepreneurs, they're living in Asia and places like the Ukraine. So I'd love to go places like that, stay for a while, maybe stay in Colombia for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And at least have the opportunity. That's kind of the daydreaming. As far as the specifics, I'll, I'll iron that out when I get there. But I would love to go to Ukraine for a while and then uh, maybe uh, some parts of Asia. Who knows where? Sure. And the... Uh the dollar goes pretty far in those areas. So yeah, like exactly. you don't have to have yep. as much, you don't have to replace your day job income necessarily. Um, so yeah, I've, I've already got my, I know what my estimated budget needs to be my earnings versus expenses. The information is out there. If you just look around and try to find it, there's some solid answers out there and there's guys already doing this and they'll, they lay it out for you. So sure. And I'll give, um, little shout out. I'll put links in the show notes and description and all that stuff. But uh, my friend Rob Atkinson, he lived in uh, Thailand for I think a couple okay. years or so. But, uh, you know, when he moved out there uh, with his wife, they basically like they were making money online and then some sites got penalized and it like dropped to mm-hmm. zero. But luckily, I mean, they already had plane tickets. They were on the way. Right. So like they had to figure it out. And oh, yeah. the, you know, the cost of living there was low enough. He had some time to figure things out and slowly like grew everything back up. It actually wasn't even that slow. It was a different time back then in 2014, 2015. So he was able to get things pumped back up pretty quick and he's doing well. So yeah. And it's amazing how many people I know who have uh, sort of a digital nomad type um, lifestyle, which would you travel around a bunch or would you like kind of set up a home base? For I, I think I would for a little short while I would travel around a little bit and then I would set up a home base once I find a place I thought was a good fit, you know? Yeah. My wife and I, we, we traveled like in the U S we traveled with our uh, dog who passed away um, like years ago, but we were, yeah. we were traveling around and we, we were like, well, we, we don't want to go international. We want to bring the dog everywhere. So we traveled around the U S and did road trips instead. So that's cool. Did a lot of domestic travel. Now, of course, in the U.S., we didn't take advantage of the, you know, dollar arbitrage situation. So, like, we went to like more expensive cities most of the time. So it like was expensive, but it was cool to see other places. Of course. Um, yeah. So, oh, I forgot. We also stayed like a month. So we would go somewhere 
like mm-hmm. rent a place, set up shop. So it's not like so rushed. Cause like, you know, right. when you go on vacation, you feel like you have to do everything yep. and then you end up like really tired. So, <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. So we would just stick around for like a month. We'd get to go like shop at the stores, live like locals and we didn't feel rushed. So anyway, all right. For people that are maybe like just getting started or maybe they haven't started yet and they're thinking, hey, that would be great to have more you know, income revenue coming in. Any tips for people who are thinking of getting started? There's It will always boils down to two things. You need a good plan and you need, need to always take action. So they need some kind of plan to know how to approach this because I've actually heard that come up several times. People have even bought a ready-made site and then, then they don't know what to do. You need a good I definitely recommend five-figure niche type course. It's it's actual stuff that you do, and it's a plan that's clear. Tells you here's how what you do, point A, point B, yada yada. And then they need to just really be consistent about actually being serious about doing the work. You know, keep you'll you're going to make mistakes in the beginning, and that's okay because that's just how it is. It's a process, right? Nobody was nobody learns overnight and becomes a millionaire. You need to just. Keep trying and keep learning, and you'll get better and better and better and smarter and smarter and smarter. You'll find more and more opportunities for things like keywords and things to write about and niche ideas, whatever the case may be, and and that leads to more success. You know, to the point of using using a framework, thanks Mm -hmm. for saying that about my course. I think it, I think it does work pretty pretty well. I did have this has uh, been a few weeks ago. Someone bought the course. They went through the first couple units and I have a very generous return policy. I do. I try and force people to do the work. By the way, with mm-hmm. return policy, yeah. but like I try and you know take the risk away though. Right? You got to remove risk from a copywriting perspective. I remove the risk and I'm like, hey, it's on me. If you do the work, it should work out for you. Now. This guy or gal, uh, I'll just keep it generic. This person okay. got the course, went through a little bit, and then they were like, oh, you know what? I already know that stuff. I don't think it's very useful. And I was like, well, did you go through the exercises? Did you brainstorm? Did you do competition analysis? Like, did you do the work? And they they didn't. And that's why right. they were unfulfilled. They just thought, oh, I already know that stuff because I've read about it. I've heard it on a podcast. I've watched YouTube videos. And um, it's not very useful to like know how to do something if you can't execute it. Yeah. So we could like read, there's all the analogies, right? You can read about like uh, swimming. You can read about riding a bike. Yeah. You can read about having sex. But until you get in there, like yes, completely. you don't know, it's right? It's another world. Apple, yeah, it's reading and doing are two different things as I always say. It's, it's tre- tremendous difference. Uh, taking action is just getting out the couch and actually doing something is one of the biggest obstacles for I would dare say the majority of the population, you know, that's the biggest thing I run into with anyone who's ever asked me about this, this topic. Mm-hmm. See, most people just won't, aren't willing to try. They're not willing to actually to try and work on it. If you're willing to do that, you're motivated. The rest is up. It, it's definitely possible. You can figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Now yeah, mistakes. Now you mentioned a couple of times, Hey, you're going to mess up a little bit. Do you have any like fresh mistakes that you made in the last uh, six months since we chatted? It's- Last six months. Let's see. Anytime that I've, let's see here. Uh, gosh, it's a great question. It's great. You haven't made any like notable, um, huge mistakes in the last six months. I think it, it wasn't too long ago. Actually, while we're recording this, it was only a couple days ago. I sent out an email to my email list and I was like, Hey, I don't know if you got this. I was like, Hey, thinking of doing like maybe a little mastermind thing. And I only expected, Marty, like maybe 10 or 12 people to reply back. I have like 100 replies back. So I didn't set, I just said, hey, shoot me an email back, just reply instead of setting up like a form or something like that. So anyway, that was a silly little mistake that I made, even knowing that I'm sending out an email to you know a few thousand people and there's a chance that a lot of people may reply, but hey, I didn't think of it. So sometimes... You just uh, take some action and then you have a data point on what not to do. I mean, it's always valuable feedback to, <laughs> to take action and do something, yes. even if it kind of blows up in your face. So there's anything else that we should highlight as far as, you know, beginners getting started or any other thoughts like when people do ask you about this sort of thing? I would say uh, so. a really good piece of advice is if you're a beginner and you have a site or you're starting one, if you're aware of somebody who is making money and they're trustworthy, I would definitely 
ask them nicely if they would take a look at your site and give you feedback before you get too far because you, it's extremely valuable sometimes because the things that I've seen tell me a lot about a lot of the, a lot of people make the same mistakes. I keep seeing the same patterns. Honestly, my another really big piece of advice I give people is it doesn't have to be perfect. Honestly, try hard to do your best content from the beginning and the best setup of your site and things like images and all that from the beginning because it's a lot easier than to go back and do it all over again. Make your site look halfway decent. Don't just throw some crap together because a lot of people don't even get a good good logo. They just really don't try very hard. It's unfortunate because as you teach in a course, you know you want to have a domain name and a name of your site that's broad enough that it it can lead to more things and better things. But if it's brandable, it looks like a trustworthy name, it gives a good impression, good user experience. It's far better than something that looks like, uh, this is my site, click here, you know, right, <laughs> right. buy this. You know, There's a lot of that out there, and it doesn't have to be that way. You don't spend a bunch of money to do that either. You can even make your own free logos and Google Drawings, and they look great because yeah. I've done that. <laughs> and I use uh, Canva a lot, like for all yeah, my yeah, exactly. YouTube video <laughs> thumbnails, which I mean, I'll be honest, some of them are awful, right? Because I mean, just because you have the right tools doesn't mean you end up with yeah. something good every time, but it's free, right? You can literally, yeah. like, you don't have to hire people. You don't have to make it complicated. Now, yeah. I realize we're saying like two opposing things where it's like, take action, but also try to do a pretty good job. Like, you're just going to have okay. to get started. And you'll make some mistakes, yes. but you can always fix yes. it, right? So you described, yes. Marty, cases where the, like, the content wasn't quite right, but you've gone back and you could iterate. Yes. In other words, I tell people don't half-ass it knowingly in the beginning. At least make the effort in the beginning. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, getting specific, you were talking about having a site that looks pretty good and all that. Yeah. Um, are there any themes that you specifically like using? Yeah, yeah. So on both of my sites, I'm using Rehub. I know several other guys, at least, who are using that. And, you know, I have only very minor complaints about it in general. It looks really good and does what I want to do, and it's pretty easy for me to put up another post. And I get, I got a bunch of different short codes, and I can even combine them and make some cool stuff. And it's been helping. Having something better than when I started helped me a lot. Having a, a good paid thing mm-hmm. helped me better than, than a crappy free thing, by far, definitely. Sure. A lot less headache. And because, you know, you told me about Rehub and a couple other people yeah. in the course did too, I actually picked it up and started playing with it a bit. And yeah, there's uh, some really nice capabilities with the short codes to create, say, like a pro and con list, some richer formatting without the overhead and bulkiness yeah. of like a front end editor, right. which I tend yeah. to hate yeah. a lot. <laughs> so the short codes are pretty easy to work with and you can create, I mean, you could create like a content template where you throw in the short codes and then you fill in the areas which you, you need to, yeah. you know, do. Is that, is that how you do it? Or do you have like a template save that you pull up? I don't currently have a template because mine is, I can do it by memory, but for my short codes, yeah, I have snippets. So I save them in a file or you can do this with a, with a plugin that actually lets you use Insert a snippet too. Anything I've come up with already, I just save it in a little text file and I can just copy paste in there. Marty and I were just chatting and I realized I didn't ask him anything about backlinks or anything. So what's the situation with backlinks? Yeah, so early on, I followed the recommendations in your course for doing the commenting backlinks. I did a lot of that, a lot. I've done it for both of my sites. Some guest posts as well, although that's kind of one of my weak points, but uh, it's very, it's a really good topic because I offer for the reasons that you make clear in your in both your course and your videos, because especially in my case, I see some where I, I get might get I might be ranking high and I'll get out slightly outranked by the competition. So it's it's definitely an area I need to get more attention to. Okay, and as far as guest posts, like, did you get a few or got a few? I've had some people reach out, and I've had just a few. I've done. It's possible, and I, you have to be very careful about this. It's possible that. There's opportunities. There's some people who have they do have a legitimate site, and they'll let you post write your own content. And again, it's very I make that distinction: a legitimate site, not a junk site like on Fiverr. Most of the other garbage. A legitimate site where you can post a backlink to your site as well. And they're just trying to make a, a few dollars, you know. So I'll write a nice post and put that on there and link back to my site as well. Okay. You know, you'd be very careful about that, of course. Okay. And like these people reached out to you like, hey, do you want to post on my site or something? Some do, some don't. A lot of them, they you have to find them, you know. Okay. Or, yeah. 
And you mentioned like it's an area maybe you should spend more time on. Like what yeah. what things are holding you back from doing more guest posting or outreach or whatever? Yeah, it, it definitely is a time hog from my perspective. From from my experiences so far, that's a quite a time hog. And you've only got you've got limited free time. Currently, I'm trying to. I keep seeing the eighty twenty rule come into play, and I'm trying to improve upon what I'm where I need to spend my time the most because there's a certain amount of things you'll do that pay off the most. That's the general principle, the eighty twenty rule. We tend to sometimes, I think, getting not many people are crazy about backlink work. <laughs> but that was not the easiest thing to do. So they think in terms of, well, I'd rather do something else. And I'm guilty of that as well at the time. So. Yep, me too. I definitely have had like a content team running and I was like, oh, I can maybe do some link building or I can just find more content for the team to write. So I just stuck with that writing because yeah. it was easier. And um, afterwards, I realized, oh, I should have been building more links because a blend, you know, doing the 80-20 on the content side and the 80-20 on the link side, you know, you end up with a better blend of results at the end of the day versus like just spending time on like content. Because at some point, I don't think you're there yet, but at some point there's not as many topics for you to write about mm -hmm. and like you may just need more links to your site. So yeah. a lot of people don't enjoy the link building portion, but if you could somehow make that something you enjoy, yeah. you're usually sense. in really good shape. Um, I have a friend who he's doing really well. I actually will probably interview him sometime soon, but he's doing really well. He loves link building and setting up like big systems and sort of like a very, um, it's like the long play where he's, he is thinking very far out and setting up these complex systems to get a whole lot of links. It's pretty cool. So, uh, I'll share that information whenever I interview him, but yeah, he's making uh, plenty of money more than he would have in his, his old day job because he loves link building. So. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yep. So do you have any tips for, you know, people that are maybe hung up on the link building thing? So when I write a piece of content, uh, I usually I refer, if I, if I have any technical things that I mentioned, I, I'll have a backlink to a relevant backlink uh, to something like on Wikipedia or an electronic site. I have two to three of those within my content and also internal linking to other relevant art, uh, posts within my site as well. Somewhere in there, usually I have one to two of those. Yeah. Okay, great. So ex external and then these other kinds, you know. And the internal links. Yeah, very important. Yeah. A lot of people ask about WordPress silos or siloing content. Do you do any of that or you just interlink? No. Okay. Uh, just interlinking right now. Okay. Yeah. That's what I recommend too. A silo okay. is just a pain in the ass to set up. You know, right. you, you'll try, you'll try to do the right thing and architect the site properly, mm -hmm. but you're always going to make like some wrong assumption and then it's a pain to fix. Okay. So yeah, just interlink. Well, if you can remember how, how many backlinks total do you have to your site? Mm, I'm really sorry. I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Since our last conversation, I did go back and document some, I'm sorry about that. I forget. Sure. So the, the main site for remembering in terms of main, like, guest posts and things like that it was i haven't updated it in a while but it was like 50 and then 25 on the other one okay so, but i have a lot more in miscellaneous like the blog commenting i can't keep track of those right and you end up with because you could basically get blog comments whenever you want so yeah. there will be like you know dozens hundreds of those potentially and then you said about 25 and 50 guest yeah, posts i okay. think that's right that's great. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, like, I think if you want to have, you know, a $500 per month or a $1,000 per month, like kind of, you don't have to have backlinks, but if you have a base set of like 25 or 50, that's usually enough to get you, you know, playing and, and mm -hmm. ranking. And then usually people will see the value of like putting the effort in there. And once they get their content done, you know, they come back around and they're like, oh, maybe I should do some link building too. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Marty? Mm -hmm. Just more importantly, I don't chase every little shiny object. Listen to somebody who is making, he's really doing this online and has legitimate following and good solid knowledge and uh, follow that instead of listening to There's way too much noise out there. Pay attention to people who are really making money and they're legit and trustworthy. Yeah, that would be one of my best comments, I think, the closing. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Marty. I appreciate it. Um, oh, thank you, Doug. 
Well, and I was going to say you're doing all the hard work and you're, uh, you know, kicking ass out there. So really appreciate it. All right. Marty keeps a low profile, like uh, someone who wants to get things done, which is very (laughs) smart. So if you want to find Marty, you can find him sometimes on YouTube live streams. He'll be in the chat. Otherwise, he's uh, unavailable because he's working on his site and doing cool stuff. If you really, really need me, you can find me. I mean, it won't be that hard to find, I promise. Yeah. And I think as an aside, we'll leave this in even. It's valuable to set up these barriers because yeah. you don't want everyone to find you. And I actually had some people, um, it was interesting because people, I get a lot of unsolicited advice. Um, I may mm-hmm. add. So I get a lot of advice and someone was like, hey, it's really hard to uh, contact you. And I was like, I know. I yeah. realize it is. And you know, if you could find me, you probably have a more intelligent question than if I just like threw it out yeah. there. Of course, that was a little while back. So now it's easier to find me and all that. But yeah, you're smart to keep the low profile. Then you can get good work done. All right. Thanks again. And uh, maybe we'll so catch much. up with you sometime soon, Marty. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks again to Marty. Really appreciate him taking the time. So, and it's, it's great that he talks about five figure niche site all the time. So I appreciate that as well. All right, let's get into the story time aspect here. My wife and I are moving. We're moving from Bozeman, Montana down to Boulder, Colorado, or that generally that, that area. So it's, it's sort of like Northwest of Denver. And it's a, it's a great town, a little pricey down there in Boulder specifically. So we'll be sort of outside the, the city. So it's a big change. It's definitely a big change. We really like uh, Bozeman quite a lot, but my wife, she got a great job opportunity and we decided it was a great, great idea for us to move down there. Now, interesting thing, that area is a place that we were looking at anyway, uh, before we decided on Bozeman. Once we got to Bozeman, it was a little bit uh, smaller town, less traffic, which was a great contrast from where we're from in Atlanta. So anyway, we decided moving down there would be a good move. And we're actually, we're pretty excited. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff in that area. We have some friends in the Denver area as well. And for me, a beer person, there's just way more beer in Colorado. I mean, it is one of the top places to drink beer as far as number of breweries and like the quality and all that stuff. Um, in fact, when we were down there a few weeks ago, I went to just like the neighborhood liquor store and beer shop and I was blown away by the selection of beers. And I've obviously been to Colorado before and I've gone to bottle shops and stuff, but the, the one that's closest to where we're going to live is absolutely amazing. In fact, I joined their frequent drinker card. I don't know what it's called. That's what I called it. It's like their frequent customer card, their loyalty program. So I that's the first thing I signed up for. It's called Wyatt's. And uh, yeah, I have their loyalty card on my keychain. So it's pretty cool. I bought, bought a decent amount of stuff and... I'm only going to be here in Bozeman for a couple more more days. My wife has already started work. She's already down there. And I'm I'm staying up here for a couple more days, closing things out at the house and driving the myself <laughs> and the dog down Georgie, Georgie the dog. And um, I'm having some friends over tonight to drink some Belgian beers, Saison's, triples, and I think there's a Golden Strong in the mix. So just have couple people coming over, going to drink some beers. The house is basically empty aside from, I have like a camp chair, some, uh, camping like plastic wear, like backpacking plastic wear, some paper plates, an air mattress, a few pillows, and just, uh, some luggage. So here for a few more days and just going to hang out with a few friends drinking those beers. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, this this past couple weeks have been extraordinarily cold. I mean, it's just been colder than normal, even for Bozeman, which is chilly. In fact, in February, I believe if I if I remember this right, 
Bozeman got about 30 inches of snow, which is more than normal. Um, and then the average temperature was like 11 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's including the high temperatures. Just, it was on average 11 degrees. So quite cold. I'm not sure what the normal average temperature is. It's a little warmer than that though. And the last couple of days have been brutal. Um, I have to put boots on Georgie to go outside. She doesn't like the boots. <laughs> she doesn't like them at all. But um, yeah, it's just shockingly cold. And I'll, I have a beard right now. I'll go outside, walk around, and I'll just have ice on my beard uh, from my breath forming just frost and ice on my face, which is kind of funny because my beard isn't that big, but it, it's just so cold out there. So anyway, let, let's get to the questions here. The first question is about what to do when you have bad links going to your site. So the specific context for the email person who sent this in, the person who sent in the email rather, they said they bought some links when they first got started because they thought, you know, that was a thing to do. There's a lot of advice out there. There's a lot of bad advice. There's a lot of good advice. This person apparently got some bad advice. He bought some links potentially on Fiverr. I'm not sure where, but you could buy links that are terrible, that are going to do a bad thing for your site on Upwork or from services that say they're doing a good job. And I mean, it's hard to tell who to trust in the SEO world, to be honest with you, because there's so much that can kind of be hidden and just unclear. So anyway, this person bought links. They checked I think specifically they said they checked on SEMrush, but you could check on other tools. You could check on your Google search console to see what links show up. And they realize it's a bad idea. They want to get rid of the links. And a couple things. So number one, this person asked about what they could do about the links that they saw on SEMrush. Well, SEMrush is like a third party that gets data and Ahrefs is the same way. Majestic is the same way. Moz is the same way. Any of the other companies that have a backlink database that you're interested in, those are just third parties that gather the information. So to remove them from the third party data is not helpful. Who cares? It doesn't do anything. No one gives a shit about the third party data, really. It doesn't impact your rankings. That That's the point I'm trying to make. The third party databases don't impact your rankings at all. However, what does impact your rankings is the links that Google has in its database. That's why I recommend, you know, you can work off the search console. It's good to, if you have other resources to get the backlinks from Ahrefs or other tools, that's fine too. But the point is you want to disavow these links and disavow is a process where you tell Google by submitting a text file, you tell Google, don't recognize these links. We know these links are out here, but we don't want you to recognize those links. And then Google doesn't recognize the links. Thus, they they won't hurt you. So I've done this a few times in the past. Uh, Negative SEO is a real situation. So um, in, in the case where you want to disavow links that are negative SEO, or if you purchase links that you think are bad at this point, or if you have links that you think are bad that you created, you can disavow them and it will be fine. It's not going to be a big deal. You could just disavow them. Explaining this on a podcast would be difficult. So I suggest you go to the, uh, I think it's like the Google webmaster guidelines for disavowing. It's very clear. It's just a plain text file, which you prepare. And most of the time when I do this, I just disavow an entire domain. So rather than disavowing individual URLs on a domain, I just disavow all the links from a specific domain. Because if, I mean, if one's bad, probably all of them are bad, right? So I just get rid of all of those uh, links and disavow them. And then it's not a problem anymore. The next question here is from Dylan, and I got to be honest, it's a little bit long-winded, so I'm going to try to give you enough information um, without reading the whole thing, which it's just a little bit long, I would say. So I'm going to 
summarize a little bit. Thanks, Dylan, for sending it in. So basically, Dylan has found some keywords, some keyword golden ratio keywords that actually I could read this this first part. He says, uh, hey, Doug, I love your stuff. You have a question. I have a question about the KGR method. So I just wanted to read that compliment. It's always good to hear compliments, you know. So first question from Dylan is when you write an article, for example, it's like a best ballpoint pens for sketching, but you also want to cover best ballpoint pens for some specific type of sketching, like cartoon or realistic sketching. Would you include all of those keywords in the main article that covers best ballpoint pens for sketching, or would I create a completely different page to cover the topic individually? Dylan says that he feels that they would be slightly conflicting with each other if they're done individually and you can kill two birds with one stone with all the keywords in one piece of content. So there's no exact right way to do it. I would say um, for the examples that Dylan gave, I would probably write individual articles because those are directed at different searchers. These are different different people, different audiences, and the people that care about realistic um, sketching versus cartoon sketching, those are different people and they have different concerns. So I would cover those individually. Now, some of them are more closely related, like cartoon and anime. Maybe you pair those up, but just look at it logically and think about the visitor. So how can you serve the visitor, the searcher? What are they looking for? And then if, if it's the same audience, I would put them on the same page, different audience. I would publish them individually. Further, Dylan says um, that he's moving away from client SEO work and trying to get into affiliate marketing, and he's building out sites rapidly. And he has a handful of sites, and he's outsourcing the content and building out, uh, building them out and ranking them. He has some pages that are already built out, and he's going back to look at KGR terms, and he's wondering if he can alter the existing content on sites that he's already built to target keyword golden ratio terms. So can he, can he alter the existing content or should he write new content covering the topic, even though they may be conflicting? The answer is you can alter the existing content. It's uh, sort of how you know, you may optimize content that's already out there by updating it, changing the title to something a little bit more catchy and that sort of thing. So it's totally fine to alter the content, change it up and, you know, put a different title in, add some subheadings that are targeting better, that sort of thing. So that's all good. Um, and it's a good idea to go back. I mean, if you have an existing site just in general, that is a fine process to go through. There's no reason not to. All right. Last question from Mike. Mike is a newbie uh, with niche sites and he found my info before going live with his first site. So that's good. Mike says he's using the keyword golden ratio, the KGR calculator, which is free. If you sign up for the email list, you get a link to that. Um, and Mike says, I found a lot of all entitles, all entitled keywords where the all entitled equals zero results, but the search volume is below 250. Should we still consider using the keywords? The answer is yes. So the search volume needs to be below 250 for the KGR. It doesn't have to be 250 exactly. So generally, yeah, go for it. Go for it. If the all entitled equals zero, then that means that there's no pages on the internet that are directly targeting it, which is a very good sign. So that's a great keyword, Mike. I suggest you go for it. Definitely go for it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Doug Show. And look out for the next few episodes. We're getting updates from some of our past 
guest, our success stories. So we're going to hear from Duke and Evan as well. So be sure you look out for those new episodes. And if you're new to the show, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Have a listen to a couple of the other episodes. And if you dig it, please subscribe. And if you're already subscribed and you haven't left a review, or if you just want to leave a review and you don't want to subscribe, leave me a review on iTunes. It's very helpful to help spread the word of The Doug Show. In fact, if you can spread the word and just tell people about the show, that's cool too. So if you have uh, like some friends online or something, like Facebook groups or Maybe you got like an ex-girlfriend that you've been watching on Facebook or something like that. Send her a message. I'm sure she would love to hear from you and some of your hobbies these days around affiliate marketing. I don't know if that's true, but anyway, leave a review. It's cool if you leave a review and I'll give you a shout out if you do. I need to check that old list over there on iTunes and see if there are any new reviews out there. You have a look too. And while you're there, leave a review leave a rating. Really appreciate it.